Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Verse 22, hear the word of the Lord. If you don't have a Bible, we brought one to you. It's on the screen, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if you do have a device, you can follow along in that same translation. It says, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those upon whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. And he does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those Gentiles whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. And concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those whom I didn't love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Verse 26, again, it says, and then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Amen. I want to preach today for a little while using as a subject, we came from the gutter. Amen. We came from the gutter. Father, help us now in Jesus name. Amen. The West African principle of Sankofa is often depicted in African literature and art as a bird that is moving forward while at the same time looking backward. And this peculiar flight pattern of the Sankofa bird is used to present for us the powerful principle that it is impossible to properly move forward without understanding where you've been. And the reality of our lives is that many of us have not been able to move forward and get to the place where God wants us to be because we're trying to hide, suppress, deny, and even forget about the ugly areas of our past. And I know they don't normally teach this in Sunday school. You don't hear this at Vacation Bible School. But the truth is that it is completely possible to be grateful for where God has brought you from. And at the same time, be ashamed of where God has brought you from. Because the truth is, while some of us think we have the testimony that we've been in church our whole lives and we went to youth group and we sang in the children's choir and we've never done anything too wrong and we falsely assume that God didn't have to do much to deliver us, there are some of us who understand that every story ain't a pretty story, that God had to save us from some dark places. There were some family situations, there were some relationships, there were some habits, some hang-ups that God had to pull us out of. And although we are grateful to be out, we don't like to be reminded of the place that God had to rescue us from. And I don't know uh, if there's anybody here who can testify with me, but have you ever been haunted 
by what God had to pull you out of. You know that you're out. You know that you're free. You know you've been delivered. Things you used to do, you don't do anymore. People you used to talk to, you've cut them off. You've walked away from some habits and some situations. But you don't like for people to bring them up because it's a little embarrassing when you think of all of the things that God had to save you from. And what do you do when you're grateful to God and you are ashamed at the same time? How do you handle it when you give God praise uh, where you want to rather give God praise for everything that he delivered you from but you don't want to praise him too hard because you don't want people looking at you wondering why it is you give God so much glory. How do you handle it when you have to deal with the fact that you are delivered and embarrassed at the same time because there were things that if people knew them they would never they would never look at us the same again if people knew some of the things that we had done they wouldn't ask us to lead in ministry they wouldn't want us to volunteer they wouldn't want us to teach their kids and to work on the door and to sing in the worship team there are things oh god that if people knew them they would never look at us the same Again, but the truth is our past is just as critical to our development in God as our present and our future. And God will not fully allow us to enjoy where we're going until we acknowledge where we came from. And whether you want to admit it or not, all of us came from the gutter. God help me. The gutter is the low place. It's the dirty place. It's the place where people with issues and pain live. The gutter is where we throw people when they don't fit into our religious circles and with our church clicks the gutter is where we did our dirt where we drank and we smoked and we slept around and we lied and we cheated and we stole the gutter is where our family issues and our jacked up marriages are the gutter is where you met your baby's mama and your baby daddy and your ex that you wish you could forget about and whether or not you want to admit it the truth of us the truth for all of us is that we all came from the gutter but even though we came from the gutter and we all have low places and dark places that we wish we could hide and things that we think would disqualify us if people found out about them in spite of the gutters that we come from the beauty of our lives is that God chooses his own family members and when God chooses he doesn't choose from the churchy cream of the crop and he doesn't pick perfect people but instead when God chooses his family God gathers his family from the gutter God help me. I know that you thought you had to hide where you came from because we often want to believe that there was something in us or that there has to be something about us that compels God to choose us. But in order to understand the full beauty of the gospel we have to embrace the reality that there was nothing about us that would make God want to choose us and yet he did it anyway. God help me. God looked at us in the gutter and saw that there was no reason for him to have compassion on us but he got us out of the gutter anyway God help me I know it's early but help me preach look at somebody and say I know I don't deserve it but he did it anyway God help me that's the wrong person because the right person would have tore that row up right next to you if you thought about the fact that you didn't deserve to be delivered you didn't deserve God you were nasty you were messy you were crazy you were filthy you were trifling you were uncommitted God shouldn't have did it for you but he did it anyway God help me and this is the lesson beloved I got to move 
This is the lesson that Paul is teaching the Roman church in our text. Paul is writing them to let them know that they, although not originally a part of the people of God, have been grafted into God's family tree. That they were a wicked and irreverent people who were destined to be destroyed by God. But because of God's mercy, instead of destroying them, God reached down into the gutter and made them a part of his family. And if we're going to be the kind of church that welcomes people regardless of their struggles and their pain, and if we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus getting people out of the gutter, then we've got to come to grips with the reality that no matter who we think we are, all of us came from the gutter. God, help me. I don't care if you churchy, if you know all the church lingo, if you know all of the worship songs, I don't care who you think you are. You came from the gutter, and your gutter ain't no cleaner than the person that didn't grow up in church. God, help me. I want to help somebody that thinks that because you didn't do what other people did, that it didn't just take as much blood to save you as it took the person on the side of the road. God said everybody is responsible for the death of Jesus Christ, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody came from the gutter. But instead of being ashamed of the gutter, we have to be a people that learns how to rejoice because when God gathers his family, he gathers his family from the gutter. Y'all ain't got it yet. God, when he goes looking for people to put in his family, he don't go to Sunday school looking for family members. He don't go to convocation looking for family members. He don't go to conferences looking for family members, but God goes to the gutter. God goes to the whorehouse and the crack house. God goes to the motel. God, help me. God goes to the club on a Saturday night looking for people to bring into his family and you got to learn how to be glad that even though you didn't have a pretty testimony you can shout because God gave you the right to come from the gutter God help me you'll get it in a minute you ought to learn how to be glad that you came from the gutter stop trying to hide the fact that you came from the gutter we know you got a story we can tell oh God by some of your Facebook posts that you ain't been saved your whole life we can scroll through your profile pictures and find out that in 2015 you was ratchet. In 2014 you was crazy. That in 09 you was in the club. Stop fretting like you got it all together. We can look at the way you look at other people when they come in church. That you self-righteous and that you judgmental and that you crazy. But God says it doesn't matter what gutter you came from. I gather my family from the gutter. So I got to move. But I got four reasons why I'm glad I came from the gutter. God help me. The first reason I'm glad I came from the gutter is because God met me with mercy in the gutter. God help me. Oh God met me with mercy in the gutter. The text says verse 22. It says in the same way even though God has the right. God has the right. God has the right to show his anger and his power. He is very patient with those on whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. The Bible tells us that because of our sins, God had the right to show off his anger and his power by pouring out his wrath on us when we were in the gutter. But instead of sending his wrath, God met us 
mercy God help me and is there anybody here who is glad that when God should have sent punishment to us oh God he met us with mercy God help me some of y'all need to be glad that when you should have had a date with wrath mercy showed up instead God help me oh God has anybody ever had a testimony that God met you with mercy oh God you slept with the wrong people and went to the doctor for a checkup but God met you with mercy God help me you didn't study like you should have in undergrad but you showed up to finals and God met you with mercy. You went to a job interview unprepared, lied a little bit on your resume, and you should have got thrown out of the interview, but God met you with mercy. You were in college. Financial aid looked like it wasn't going to come through. You thought they was going to have to send you home at the end of the semester, but you walked to the administrator's office. You went to the financial aid office and God met you with mercy. Is there anybody here, God, I feel like preaching, who's glad that God met you with mercy. As a matter of fact, the truth of our lives and our testimony is we are here right now because God met us with mercy. I know you thought you got yourself dressed and brought yourself to church and you carried yourself and your children here. But the reality of your life is the only reason why you're seated and sane in the sanctuary is because God met you with mercy. Oh God, every time you open your eyes in the morning, God met you with mercy. Oh God, I used to get irritated. My son has a crazy habit. About 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock every morning, my son will get up out of his bed with his blankets and he'll wake me up and climb into my bed. And I used to get irritated about it, Candace, until I remembered that just three years ago, God helped me, I had a heart condition and I was afraid to fall asleep because they told me that because of cardiac arrest, I could die in my sleep. And so every time my son comes to the side of the bed and taps me and said, Daddy, I want to get in daddy's bed instead of getting irritated I pick him up and put him in the bed because it's a reminder every time I open my eyes that God met we with, met, met me with mercy and is there anybody here who can say that's my testimony God met me with mercy in the gutter but how does Paul say that God showed us mercy verse 22 Paul says that God was very patient with us. The text is telling us that because of our sin, not only did we deserve to be punished, but we deserve to be punished immediately. But instead of rushing to give us the destruction that we desperately deserved, God gave us time to wake up and respond to his love. We didn't deserve more time. We didn't earn more time because of good behavior. God should have wiped us out. But because of his mercy, the Bible says that God is very patient with us. God help me. And is there anybody here who is grateful that when time should have run out on you, God was patient with you? Okay, some of y'all tripping. Uh, God says I should have came to get you. But instead, help. thank you Travis Green, I waited for you. Oh God, he didn't didn't wait to send the solution for salvation because the Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God initiated salvation, but he waited for you to wake up and realize that salvation had been provided. God, help me. Oh, God, you knew better. You knew that you shouldn't have done what you were doing. You know you shouldn't have slept with who you slept with and did what you did and drank what you drank and went where you went, but you need to thank God that he was patient with you. God, help me. When you 
you were acting ugly and cussing folk out in traffic, he was patient with you. When you were talking crazy and doing stupid stuff on social media, he was patient with you. God, when you uh, were drinking and smoking, he was patient with you. Oh God, when you came to church with a bad attitude, thinking that you were doing God a favor, saying crazy stuff, like at least I show up, he was patient with you. When you were stingy with that check that the Lord made a way for you to get and you didn't tie, God didn't let your money fall out through your pocket holes. God said, I'm patient with you. God was patient, but check this out. The Bible doesn't say that God was patient with just any kind of a person. But the Bible says that God was patient with those who were destined, the NASB says, prepared for destruction. Now, many have taken this to mean that it is God himself who prepares or predestines people for destruction. But I'm not trying to make that argument, but that's not what this particular text is talking about. Because the grammatical structure of this particular text suggests that it is not God, but rather people who have prepared themselves for destruction by rejecting the love of God. Is teaching us that by ignoring God and choosing to stay in the gutter, we choose destruction for ourselves. But this shouts me. Can I tell you why this shouts me? Because it tells me that God's sovereignty is not subject to my poor decisions. God, help me. Oh, God, that I can ignore the love of God as much as I want to and be on my way to a burning hell. But God has the power to override my ignorance. God, help me. Oh, God, you will destine yourself self for destruction. You won't be thinking about God. Is there anybody here who can say that's your testimony? You wasn't studying God. You wasn't thinking about him. You thought that you were cool. You didn't need him. But somehow or another he came and arrested you. God help me. And the truth of our lives is God uh, knows that you are ignorant and you are crazy and that you had destined yourself for destruction. But God stepped in and changed your destination. God help me. And you should be able to shout that because Because when you were on the road to destruction, God met you with mercy and changed your story. God, help me. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm glad he changed my story. Uh, I had plans for my life. I thought I knew where I was going. I thought I knew what I was doing. But God changed my story. God, help me. So God met me with mercy in the gutter. But then secondly, God showed me his glory in the gutter. Yeah, God showed me his glory in the gutter. The Bible says, verse 23, he does this to make the riches of his glory shine brighter. Everybody say shine brighter. On those whom he shows mercy who were prepared in advance for glory. So God meets us with mercy in the gutters of our lives. But the text says that God did it for a very specific reason. God shows us mercy so that his glory can shine brighter. And I got to help you understand what glory is. Okay. Glory is what God uses to draw attention to his greatness. Glory is not the greatness of God. 
But glory is like shellac on your nails or like turtle wax on your car. It brings out the glory that's already there. For instance, uh, me and my wife uh, uh, were looking at a car uh, the other day. We weren't shopping for We had a restaurant. The car was outside. I don't want y'all to think I'm tripping. Uh, but the car was outside, and we looked outside, and we saw it was a nice car. It was shining. It looked like it had just got freshly detailed. Now, the beauty is the, the beauty was not in the wax that they used to detail the car. The beauty was already there. But the wax is what they use to show the details on the car. You understand what I'm saying? So glory is what God uses to cause you to see how great he really is. So when the Bible says that God saves us in spite of how bad we are, he's doing it so that he can draw attention to how great he is. God saves us when we're in the gutter. Hear me now. For the same reason a bodybuilder before competition oils up his body and flexes in the mirror because God wants us to see God help me how big he is God help me and I don't know who I'm preaching to I'm trying oh God to get through this message without shouting but is there anybody here who can remember when God showed up and flexed in your situation God help me oh God I don't know who I'm preaching to in here but there's a few people gotta be one two three four people in the building at least who remember when God showed up and flexed his muscles for you and do I have a witness won't he flex in your situation God help me oh God will flex and show you how big he really is as a matter of fact somebody's testimony is not only did God flex for me in the past but the only reason I'm here and in my right mind is because he's flexing for me right now God help me is there anybody here who's glad you've seen him flex God help me walked in the hospital room with a sick relative and flexed looked at your credit report when you was looking for a house that you weren't qualified for and he flexed went to the job that you were interviewing for that you weren't qualified for and flexed when you were hollering at your wife and you knew you didn't have the game to pull her he showed up and flexed is there anybody here who's glad that God will flex in your situation so there is a connection beloved between God's glory and our praise Meaning that the greater the revelation to you of God's glory, the greater your praise should be. That's why we can't trip when we look around. Aaron, when you lead in worship, when you up here, you can't trip at people's response. Because you got to understand that maybe they don't have as great of a revelation of his glory as you do. But some of us. When we think about where God had to pull us from, God help me. When we think about how God flexed in our situation, God help me. We have no choice. We can't contain it. We got to praise him. God help me. Grandmama said it this way. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. I thank God. Oh God for praising me. And I know you might find yourself sitting on the wrong row one week. And I want you to know that we are a courteous church. We're a church for everybody. That's why one of our models is welcome home. So every now and then you might have to look 
look at the person next to you and give them a disclaimer. Tell them, excuse me. I know you think I'm tripping right now. Oh, but I promise you I'm not crazy. I'm just thinking about the last time I seen him flex. God, help me. Oh, God, is there anybody here who can say, I'm thinking about the last time I seen him flex. God, help me. God flexed on your way to church this morning. The devil tried to catch you up. He tried to catch you up last night. He tried to catch you up this week. But God hit you with the flex. God help me and allowed you to see his glory. Is there anybody here who's glad he's flexing for you? God help me. And I just want to declare prophetically in the building that when you leave out of here, the devil is going to try you. He's going to work your nerves. He's going to come against you. He's going to try to test you and make you damage your testimony. But God said, I'm going to flex for you this week. I'm going to show your situation how big I really am. God met me with mercy in the gutter. God showed me his glory in the gutter. But I'm glad I came from the gutter number three. Because God taught me that his love is greater than the gutter. God help me. Verse 24 and 25 it says, And we are among those whom he selected both from the Jews and the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says... Through the prophecy of Hosea, those who are not my people, I will now call my people and I will love whom I did not love before. God help me. I need y'all to understand this today. The gutter is the place where the leftovers live. It is the place of shame. It is the home of the unqualified. Oh God. And God had no reason to reach down into a place like that. But God reaches into the gutter because he He wants us to know, pay attention, that the love of God for you is greater than the gutter that you come from. God, help me. Y'all missed that? Let me run it back. The love of God for you is greater than the gutter that you come from. And I believe that there are some people in here who can testify that God's love lifted you out of a low place. God, help me. That's why I'm glad that they sing, that they sang today, my strength. I didn't even know that they were singing that song today but it testifies about the ability of God to reach down wherever you are and lift you up God help me in the fullness of your grace in the power of your name what do you do Jesus you lift me oh God is there anybody here who's glad that his love lifted you out of the gutter that you were sinking deep in sin that he should have left you there to drown in your problems and in your misery but God lifted you up out of the gutter It was love that caused God to lift us out of the gutter and to drive this point home. Paul quotes a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Hosea. Hosea prophesies that God is transitioning us in two ways. And the first way that God's love is transitioning us is he is transitioning us from being homeless to being home at last. God help me. God says those who were not my people, not my people, I will now call my people. Oh God. Now this is a message, beloved, for the misfits. The people who love God with all their heart, but they don't fit into the church crowd or into tradition. And God is declaring 
through the text that instead of church people, God is gathering people who don't fit into the status quo. And he's calling them his very own people. God, help me. Oh, God, I know you might think that you fit in. You might think that you've got it together. You might think, oh, God, uh, that you fit, that you deserve to be where you are. But there were some of us who understand uh, that we don't know how to keep all the rules. We don't know all the church talk. We don't understand. We come from the gutter. We don't understand all the stuff that folk in church are talking about. But what we do have is a real and transformative relationship with Jesus Christ and God says if that's you you ain't got to know all the church talk just learn how to shout because God said you're his God help me oh God is there anybody here who can say I might not fit in but God said I'm his I might not know everything you know but God said I'm his I might not have the upbringing that you had but God said I'm his I might have had some kids before I got married but God said I'm his I might have slept around with some crazy people and be scared scared to walk around Walmart on Normandy sometimes because I don't know who's going to see me, but God said I'm his. Is there anybody here who can say I'm his? And we are in a season, beloved. I want you to hear me quick, hear me clearly. We're in a season where God is going to use misfits to do the miraculous. God, help me. Oh, God, I know... Uh, I know we don't look like it, uh, like we're going to do great things, but God takes pleasure. God, help me. The Bible says uh, he takes the foolish things and uses them to confound the wise. God, help me. He takes the things that don't make any sense and he uses them to blow people's mind. So when you're looking around wondering how God is going to do it, God said this is the season where I'm using misfits. God, help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God says you're going to do some mighty things and people are going to look at you because you're unqualified. You ain't got the degree for it. You don't have the pedigree for it. You don't have the up bringing forward but you're going to do mighty things and the reason why God is going to use misfits is because when you come out if you think you had the right family tree you'll take credit for it yourself if you think your daddy gave it to you you'll give credit to your daddy but God says I'm using people who shouldn't be used who are unqualified so that when it happens they can say nobody could do it but God God help me is there anybody here who can say that's my testimony already I, I don't deserve to be where I am and when I look back over the history of my life my testimony is only God could do it God help me who in here is in the building can say that's your testimony only God could do it God is moving us from being homeless to home at last and then God tells us that he is moving us from being unloved to beloved. And the word loved in the text is more than just affection, but it implies undeserved and unconditional favor. Yeah. The text is saying that God literally shifted from ignoring you to now giving you special attention. And the reality of favor is that it doesn't make you better than anyone else. But it does mean that you don't have to be like everyone else. 
God help me. The favor and the love of God gives you the right to choose to be different. That you can experience what other people experienced and come out better. God help me. And there were some things that you went through that other people went through and they didn't survive. There were some tragedies that people experienced that you experienced and they didn't come out looking like you looked and praising like you praised God. But God says it is my love that allows you to come out better than your enemies. God help me. And I want to declare to somebody that no matter what you are facing right now, you are going to survive the storm of your life. Not because you are strong, but because you are loved. God help me. Oh God. God, you're going to survive, not because you're better, but because God loves you. And I don't know what it is you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what the problem is in your life. But God said you're going to make it because he loves you. God, help me. I know you're going through it. God, help me. I know you're dealing with some stuff that's real. Ain't nobody trying to uh, uh, underplay or downplay what you're going through. But the reality is whatever it is, his love is greater than that. God, help me. It's greater than your heartbreak. It's greater than your depression. It's greater than your anxiety about your future. It's greater than the tragedy you face. His love is greater than your loneliness. It's greater than your singleness. It's greater than your jacked up marriage. His love is greater than your financial difficulty. It's greater than your your loneliness. His love is greater. And so I want to give you all some